Hi, this is David Flower, senior pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Grandpa. It's great to be with you here today on Mission Sunday. Um, we've all got an extra hour of sleep, so I'm going to start you off with some thinking, some pondering, some questions for you. Do you know your neighbors? Thinking about first where you live, the neighbors next door to your left and to your right, down the hall from you or across the street from you. Do you know their names? If you do, uh, studies suggest in today's America that um, you are not part of the majority, <laughs> right? Um, and that is because of, largely in part, to technology that makes us strangers uh, with our neighbors today. Um, technology connects us with people all over the country and even the world, but it puts miles of distance between those right near us. Think in addition to your smartphone and your Wi-Fi, think of things like air conditioning that keeps us inside, your garage door, your automatic garage door that closes you off to your neighbors, um, Netflix that might keep you indoors with entertainment, right? all these forms of technology that are causing separation with the people near us. Um, and to the extent that being an engaged and friendly neighbor might make you seem like a foreigner, right? It's not the norm. The relationships that used to be normal and natural have become rare and even inconvenient. Face-to-face -face friendship is a lost art that's critical to loving the lost. Relationships we can think of as the highway for sharing the good news and making disciples. As a people commissioned by God to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, as Pastor David reminded us that we find in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Trends towards isolation and away from real face-to-face -face interactions and friendships should trouble us. Just as we see the command go in Matthew 28, the sending focus of God's people is captured in another commission in the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 20. It'll also be on the slide. So this is after the resurrection, and Jesus appears in the flesh to his disciples. Chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. John writes, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here we see Jesus as both the sent and the sender. While Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, his command also applies to us today. The church is his sent people. 
Being sent and sending are major themes in the story of Scripture. If we think about the word mission, this is a Latin word coming meaning ascending or sending away, dispatching, release. We are not sent without purpose. We are sent on mission, on God's mission. There's an author and missiologist named Avery Willis who once defined mission as the total redemptive purpose of God to establish his kingdom. The mission is God's. He sends to accomplish his mission. God is both sender and sent in Christ. God the Father is the source of mission. He sent his Son, who embodies God's mission and accomplishes it. God's mission is then extended and applied through the ministry of the Spirit. For the Spirit who calls, equips, it is the Spirit who calls, equips, and empowers the people of God. The Spirit empowers the church to imitate God's sentness. Right, in verse 22 we see that when it says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If we think about the Old Testament, uh, we think of God sending Abraham to be blessed and to be a blessing to others. Jonah is sent. God sends the prophet Isaiah. And the response, who should I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah replied, here I am, send me. We could go on and on with many examples from, of God sending from Genesis to Malachi. God sends because he is a sender, and of course, God also demonstrates his sending nature in the New Testament as well. As we just saw in John 20, verse 21, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And Jesus, as Jesus' disciples become transformed into the image of Christ, they in turn put on his sentness. Charles Spurgeon, you may have heard of, once said, either Christian, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. We all are sent by Jesus and are called to live in light of that sending. Christians are sent or called to live on mission. We also see in scripture that we're all called to be Christ ambassadors. A couple verses that are common here for this. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we read, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As ascend people, we are God's agents, or ambassadors, who carry out his redemptive purpose, as we saw in that explanation of mission. As the Son builds the church by placing people in the kingdom, the Spirit empowers the church to live as the sent agents of the kingdom of God. So we can think of the church as a network of ambassadors for Christ. Today we know ambassadors to other countries go with the purpose of establishing friendship, goodwill, and relationships were working together. We are sent to serve and build relationships as believers with others to share the truths of the gospel with them. As Pastor David said, and as we know, God is moving people into our neighborhoods, into our country, our state, our town, our neighborhoods. It's no secret that the U.S. is becoming increasingly culturally diverse. Um, there's more ethnic diversity in the U.S. than in any other country in the world. 20% of the world's 
global migrants reside in the U.S. While there's many different reasons uh, people might come to our country or to others that are not their home, we are indeed living through a refugee crisis right now. Across the globe, almost 108.5 million people have been forcefully displaced worldwide. So today, many of us can, can engage in cross-cultural conversation without leaving our homes or our towns, and these opportunities will only continue to grow. Now, reaching those across the street could mean reaching the world. So I'm going to ask you to think now. You thought about your neighbors who live near you. Now, in addition to your neighbors, think about all those who you come in contact with, the places that you have connection with people outside of your home, outside of your family. It might be where you work or study, uh, anywhere you share space and spend your free time. Of all these people you connect with and cross paths with, Think about, do you know their names? And think about, do you know anyone who speaks another language? Who celebrates different holidays from you? Who eats different food from you? Has different religious beliefs than you? Maybe who was not born in the US? I wanna share just some statistics about Pennsylvania and then our, the county here. In 2018, foreign-born individuals comprise 7% of Pennsylvania's population. And then about 9% of Pennsylvania's population who were native-born Americans had at least one immigrant parent. Probably more now, I couldn't find anything more up-to-date. And then if we think about Cumberland County alone, if we think about Cumberland Valley School District, I was on their website looking for some of their information. They said they have more than 600 students who receive English language services in the district, which is about 6% of the school population. And it looked like it was pretty similar for Mechanicsburg Area School District. The population of English language learners in Cumberland Valley School District has grown, they said, by more than 25% in the last five years. Over 70 languages are spoken by Cumberland Valley students, and the top five they said are Spanish, Nepali, Arabic, Korean, and Russian. So as we see, the nations are increasingly being represented in our neighborhoods and our communities here in the U.S. And Christians, as Christians, we need to have a heart for the nations because God has a heart for the nations. In Leviticus 19.34, we read, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Right, so we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, And as Pastor David also said, because of that, what we've received in Christ, we can live generously and share our time, our talents, and our resources. So there are people all around us, whether from a different culture or not, who are in need, many kinds of needs, right? It might be practical things like food and clothing, but many people have relational needs. We all have relational needs. Some, many people may not have that need being filled. And of course, everyone has spiritual need. We have everything to offer because of Jesus. Let's look at um, what scripture tells us about why we can live generously and why we should be living generously. In Galatians 5, beginning in verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And in Matthew 10, verse 8, it says, Freely you have received, freely give. We love because Christ first loved us. 
And we can be generous because we have received everlasting life through Jesus. In John 13, Jesus emphasizes this point of love. and He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Right here we see God's redemptive purpose. They will know because of our love that comes from Christ. Right, so that's that mission that we're on, God's redemptive purpose. So if you don't know your neighbors, how can you know their needs, right, if you don't first know them? As is true for any new relationship you might be exploring, first impressions matter, right? So we can start there, start simple. Anytime you're trying to communicate friendliness or approachability, there are simple things we do, right? Our body language, a smile, a wave, right? These things communicate care and love. Simply taking the time to acknowledge others. If you think about our modern culture, sometimes that's not a value, right? To stop and just acknowledge others. This does require intentionality. Um, For me, that was one big takeaway from my recent trip to Dearborn is leaving time to be interrupted, right? If I don't have margin in my life, if I'm too busy moving from place to place, I don't stop and do these things, right? So allowing yourself to be interruptible. That might be countercultural for us and leaving space in our schedules. It can be something simple if you like to bake or grow vegetables in a garden is taking cookies to your neighbor or vegetables. And if your neighbors are from a different culture, don't be alarmed if they start giving you things back. You don't have to feel bad. In fact, we have a lot to learn from other cultures about generosity and hospitality. So as you grow in these interactions with your neighbors, ask yourself, ask them questions, make notes in your phone, right? You don't want to forget their names. Anything that they share that's interesting and important to remember, you can make notes in your phone. That's part of intentionality, right? So that you can bring it back into conversation. Try to make connections as you start to have conversations, looking for commonalities. If your neighbors don't speak English, use that technology we talked about that sometimes causes harm. Use it for good, right? There's Google Translate and many other services available. Even if your verbal communication fails, you will have communicated love and friendliness and care. You would have communicated that message of welcome, I see you, you belong here. If your new neighbors are refugees, they likely have many practical needs like transportation to appointments or to the grocery store. They might not know how to get household items they need or even what clothing to have for a new new climate. As you get to know them, the needs will become evident and you ask yourself, how can I be generous with my time and resources? Be intentional in seeing and responding to the needs of your neighbors. When we are generous, our lives reflect the heart of God. God uses our generosity to express his own generosity as he channels his resources through us to bless others. But as you work with people from different cultures, a word of caution, what you see as being a need that they have might not be a need for them coming from a different culture. Um, Interacting with people from other cultures will require humility, a requirement of examining your own perspective, your personal perspective, your um, cultural perspective, and your priorities. Remembering, again, that these things are impacted by your own culture and worldview and religion and will look different than for other people from other places. So far, my, my examples have focused on neighbors living near you. But don't forget to expound that to anyone who you are crossing 
uh, time with in life, right? Work or school, the places that you play and spend time when you're not at home. And ask yourself, especially if they're of a different culture, but even people who are American who might not have your Christian culture, ask yourself, how can I take steps towards them, towards these people around me, possibly needing to sacrifice my own ideals and comforts rather than expecting my neighbors to conform in all ways to my culture and norms requiring them to move towards me? How can you take steps to them? And this will require you to examine your heart. I've had to. Are my own interests and comforts more important to me than other people's comfort and interests? Is it more important to me to be comfortable and convenient than it is to see other people saved and knowing Jesus? Being sent means being like Jesus, being present with those around us and focused outside of ourselves, being the hands and feet of Jesus. At the very least, all of us can, have, can offer friendship and connection and belonging as one of the biggest needs that people have. People from any cultural background, as humans, we share that need. But what we have to offer is even more than that, even better and greater, because the greatest, people, the greatest need that all people have is spiritual, and there's internal, eternal impact. They need to hear the truth and receive God's redemptive love, As we build friendships, others have the opportunity to see Jesus in us and hear how Jesus gives us new life. If you remember the definition of mission earlier, the total redemptive purpose of God to establish his kingdom, ultimately we want our neighbors around us, everyone around us, to know the transforming power of the gospel. Many internationals experience more freedom here in the U.S. to explore that than in their home country. In their home country, maybe they haven't had the opportunity to hear the gospel, or maybe it's not a safe place to explore that and to grow in it. So by now, some of you may be thinking, this all sounds wonderful, I know this is what I'm to do, but it's not really for me, I don't know how to apply it to my own life. It's true that engaging in uh, other cultures can feel awkward, but if you choose to embrace it as a learning experience, I'm confident in the end you will feel blessed and encouraged by the experience. And it will get easier with time and practice. The awkwardness may last just a few moments, but the results may endure eternally. Take a small step in their direction and trust God will overcome the weaknesses in you and the brokenness in our American society to draw his own to himself. There are plenty of books and resources also that you can find and educate yourself, but eventually it just requires taking steps, putting it into practice. Start small and invite others to join you. You don't have to do it alone. For me, I found simple things like going to new restaurants or stores is a good way to experience a new culture and it doesn't require too much of you. Going and seeking out events, cultural events, often involves wonderful food. Going to places like this are a great place to start. Think about playgrounds around you if you have young kids. Where can you go that might be outside your comfort zone and might connect you with different neighbors? Even going and exploring a different place of worship to understand um, where people are coming from. Give yourself the opportunity to experience being the minority. Many of us don't have that opportunity. Some place where you look different than other people and where you might not share a common language. You could get involved in 
church ministry that teaches English to people in the community. You can partner with organizations already doing refugee work, like Church World Service or Bethany Christian Services. Both have offices in Harrisburg. And in Camp Hill, there's the Pennsylvania Center for Refugees and Immigrants. For me, I find engaging in other cultures to be fun and rewarding, full of learning. So it's how I chose my current work with international students because of my desire to be in relationship with people from different cultures. Outside of work, I joined a team through my church, uh, partnering with Church World Service to welcome a family to the U.S. from Guatemala, a mother and two young kids. So I didn't do it alone, I did it as part of a team, and we'd help them settle and we welcomed them to Lancaster. It's understandable that you may have concerns when you think about becoming friends with people from other cultural backgrounds, your international neighbors. You might have questions like, how can I relate to them? What do I have in common? I don't want to offend them. What if they can't speak English? What if I don't know what to say? Brother in Christ World Missions offers short-term trips every year, and these are great ways to go and explore that in a comfortable, safe setting. There are every year two trips internationally to Bogota, Colombia, and to Greece, um, one week to two week trips uh, in June and fall of next year. And then a partnership in Dearborn has been going on for three years now. And in Dearborn, last summer we sent three teams, each for one week, to help support a kids camp. And that will be um, requiring applications by March. So the thing that makes Brethren Christwell Missions short-term cross-cultural service learning trips uh, wonderful is that they're great opportunities to practice this interacting across cultures in a very safe, supporting setting. The Brethren Christ uses standards of excellence, um, following best practices for training and team building and debriefing the whole way through your experience. This ensures that the trips are effective and impactful both for you as a participant and those that you're going to serve with and to serve because we want to partner well. We want um, to work well with the ministries already doing work there and we don't want to cause any damage to the kingdom or to the reputation of the ministries at work. You can join any of these teams as an individual, as a family. Some of these are very appropriate for um, children, middle school, and, and up in age, or as a group from your church. You can get together and be one of the teams for a week to Dearborn. Uh, a little bit about Dearborn, if, you, if you're not familiar, Dearborn, Michigan is home to the largest density of Arab and Muslim people in the U.S. Over the last several decades, many refugee families from Syria and other countries have relocated there. Sometimes it's even called Little Arabia. And when you go to Dearborn, you will feel like you have left the U.S. There will be many signs in Arabic. You'll interact with people who don't speak English. And you'll hear the call to prayer from neighborhood mosques. It'll be easy to forget that you're still in the U.S. Uh, and it's a very unique and impactful experience to not be part of the majority somewhere and to realize this is still your country. So I'll share a few photos from Dearborn this past summer. We had 60 to 80 kids joining for a three-week program. Um, and Brethren in Christ World Missions has been partnering with a ministry called Kids Life. Kids Life is, uh, the church puts it on. It's not one church or one denomination, but truly the church in Dearborn uh, partnering together. It takes many people, many hands. 
Um, they work year-round with refugee families, but in the summer they run a three-week camp where we bring the kids into the church and work on reading and math and English skills and also share the Bible. Um, there's strong unity and partnership among the church in Dearborn, but there is much work and few workers. So what would it look like to be a trip participant? Um, running the three-week camp requires a lot of hands, and the more hands they have, the more kids they can open camp to. Don't worry, you don't have to be a teacher to go. You just need a heart for loving the kids and serving in any way that's needed. Um, the partnership that Brethren in Christ offers to Kids Life really makes it possible. Uh, it's a connection that they want to continue, and without us sending teams, there really are not enough workers to put on a camp. So everybody that comes is put to work. Um, these pictures represent uh, the students being uh, divided into small groups based on age and ability and working on um, skills in math and English. Um, and on the, f the picture with the kids on the floor, they were listening to a Bible story there. There's a lot of opportunity throughout your week in Dearborn to interact with the kids, and a big part is through games and play and snack time. They love Foursquare and soccer, and they love the chips and snacks they get at the end of the time. Um, addition to that, we do all the transportation, so we need drivers to go and pick up kids, to bring them to church, and to take them home. And sometimes there's even opportunities to spend time in the homes of the kids we're working with. Because beyond this, this summer camp, the Kids Life volunteers are uh, working with the families year-round to help meet needs that they have. They're building relationships with the families, seeing what the need is, and providing things like furniture and transportation. Because of this work that's happening and the trust that's been established with the church and these families, um, Bible stories were able to start being shared last year. And there's an openness there. Um, so your week in Dearborn will include experiences like going to a mosque and learning about Islam, uh, going to a grocery store where you might be sent on a scavenger hunt to find foods you've never heard of and figure out how you can find them, how you can interact with people there. Um, we provide backpacks with school supplies at the end of camp to kids. That was made possible because of Brother in Christ's World Missions Fund. Uh, with money set aside for refugee work. So each kid got a backpack with age-appropriate school supplies. Some families, while we were in Dearborn, as we went and interacted with them in the evenings, because it is appropriate just to show up and say, hi, we want, we want to spend time with you, just to go to their home. Um, you discover needs like a crib that's needed for a new family with a young child. So one week, a team got to build and provide a crib for a family. And the last picture there shows one of our team members uh, throwing Frisbee with a kid. We gave uh, bags as we visited homes. We taught them some Frisbee skills, so each family got a Frisbee. And that was a way to interact with one of the child, children outside of the camp. So I had the opportunity to go for the last three summers. And this past summer, I got to go for all three weeks to experience the full camp and welcome teams as they were coming. And I can say personally, it truly is an impactful experience and some of the best food you'll ever eat. I'd love to talk with you more about Dearborn or any of the other opportunities. I'll be out at the table uh, after service. So in closing, I just want to leave you with some words and then some questions uh, to consider for yourself. 
As God's people, we're redeemed by the power of Christ and made new in relationship with him, and we're called to live sent, as we saw in John 20. We love to talk and sing about God's goodness, right? We love to sing and talk about it, but we must not forget that this greatness of God should compel us forward in mission. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I also send you. So marvel at that fact that you've encountered a good, perfect, holy, loving, merciful God. And then remember that in turn you are accountable to to Jesus' command. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The only rightful response is, here I am, Lord. Send me. And I want to end with this scripture where we get a beautiful picture of God's mission accomplished where we see where our sentness leads in Revelation 7. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Every uh, tongue, tribe, and nation is a thread woven throughout Scripture from the beginning, about the Tower of Babel, all the way to the end here as we see. It's all part of God's redemptive plan. There's no more them and us. So some personal questions for you as you think about what you've heard and what it means for you. As you've taken this in, many of these Scripture passages are not new to you. You've heard them. What can you do today to move from being a spiritual consumer, hearing these things, understanding these things, to a missional co-labor, taking steps of action? And like I said, you can start small. As you consider that, what in your life or heart might you need to set aside or surrender in order to do this? And which neighbor do you want to start praying for and pursuing opportunity for relationship with? A neighbor being anyone around you, not just who lives near you, but could be someone you know from work or where you spend some time. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your plan of redemption. Thank you for adopting us into your family through Jesus' death and resurrection. Father God, help us to say, here we are, Lord send us. Cause us to live as ambassadors, as agents of your mission, to partner in spreading your gospel to the nations, because we love the nations. Give us creativity in connecting with our neighbors who represent many nations. Cause us to proclaim the gospel of repentance so that men and women might hear it all over the globe by the power of your spirit. Father, show us the small steps we can take today and give us joy as we obey your commands and live as sent people on mission with and for you. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.